Just to catch you up with where we are at in this series so far, we've been doing this thing called Follow. Let me just get my clicker. Thank you. We've been doing this thing called Follow. It's all about discipleship in a COVID world. Uh, it's just a way to snazzy up the title. Uh, just to sort of say, hey, what's it like to follow Jesus here and now? 2021. Here we are living out our day-to-day lives whatever it is that you find yourself doing with your particular time that you have allotted, your 24 hours in each day, um, we just need to look at how do we follow Jesus in our current cultural moment. So in week one, we looked at the idea of isolation and loneliness. And what we found over our time, especially with lockdowns and everything, is that maybe some of our rhythms that we had when they got disrupted, uh, we probably weren't as well connected as we thought or had hoped we were. And for some of us, we found 2020 to be a little bit disruptive to our regular way of living. And because of that, we found ourselves probably a little bit lonelier or a little bit more isolated than before. We looked at the idea that Jesus is with us even in those moments. In week two, we looked at how we're made for more than entertainment, social media and shopping. The things that compete for our attention, uh, they're not bad things. We looked at that. They're not inherently evil. But when we use them in an unhealthy way and we let them control how we see the world, that's when we run into problems. And last week, we looked at the fact that we're made for community. Every person has been gifted by God to be able to contribute something to this community and whatever church community it is that you find yourself in. And this week, as we wrap up the series, we're looking at this idea of as we go. And the whole thinking behind this morning, in case you switch off or forget anything else, is this. How do we stay connected to God? How do we in our day-to-day life stay connected to Him? Because... Staying connected to God looks different than it does with other relationships, with physical people in our life. So how do we stay connected to him? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So to start us off, I want to get us on the same page in regards to this particular tension. And this is not just a faith and Jesus thing, it's just a thing thing in terms of how we process proximity. I would say, for most things in life, proximity leads to intimacy. Uh, Is it clicking? Sorry. Wait. All right, sorry. Flip it back in. Catch it up to speed in a second. All right. So proximity leads to intimacy, which means that distance can lead to apathy. The idea is this. Whatever it is that you and I are close to will shape us and have an influence on us. So if you want to think through some of your relationships that you find in your day-to-day life, in your relational world. This is sort of a bit of an outline. In your family, you have your grandparents, your parents, you have siblings, uh, you, maybe you have a spouse, maybe you have children, maybe you have grandchildren. When it comes to our work world, you've got your boss, who we all love. Yeah, you all love your bosses. Yeah. Uh, your peers, do you love your peers? Depends if they're on your side, eh? Uh, you have your direct reports. You love them because they can do everything for you. Um, then you've got your customer and everything. So, you know, you've got your, your workplace relationships. Uh, and then, of course, we have our friends. For some of us, we are so blessed that we still have some childhood friends that we connect with on a regular basis. Uh, there's our school friends, our work friends, who sometimes you sort of get stuck with long enough. It's a bit like Stockholm Syndrome. You're just sort of like, oh, if I have to like you. Um, or you really genuinely do like your work friends which is, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and then, of course, uh, for some of us, maybe you've got your partner's friends, the people that they grew up with and they become a part of your life as well. And what I would think, if I was a betting man, is that 
I would wager that who it is that you spend the most of your time with is going to be the people that you are closest to or that you feel more intimately acquainted with. Now, of course, in terms of close relationship and building intimacy and valuable friendship, there is more ingredients to it than just uh, proximity and being close. There is, of course, you know, you need to have a strong sense of self. You need to know that you are who you are and you need to have a strong sense. You don't um, feel that you need to be validated or that you need to be, dis- um, you know, you, because of your relationship to them, that gives you meaning or defines who you are. You need to have a strong sense of self. Um, there needs to be transparency for a relationship to work. There needs to be honest communication. Uh, there needs to be good confrontation skill set. If you want to have good, oh, thank you so much. If you want to have good relationship with other people, you need to know how to fight clean because confrontation happens and if your only way of dealing with it is to shut them out or to not deal with it, you're in for a rough ride. Where are we at? Yeah, up there. Um, And, of course, at the end of the day, to have a relationship with someone, you actually have to want to get to know them. So having close proximity or being near to somebody else doesn't guarantee that you'll have a good and valuable relationship. There are some other ingredients. But it is a major factor in what influences and shapes you and me. Because without proximity, those other ingredients can't happen because you need to be close to them. So proximity is just simply... Oh, there they are. Proximity is this. Okay, we're on the same page with the notes now. Proximity is just simply this. And this is the definition from Google, so this is what it says. Proximity is all about nearness in space, time, or relationship. The key word in that definition is nearness. To hold a proximity to someone or something means that you have to be close to them. For intimacy in a relationship, there needs to be a nearness so that the relationship can grow. And the reason that this tension is important for you and for me to handle, that proximity leads to intimacy, is because of this. Who or what we choose to be in proximity will have an impact on us. So there's almost like a decision element that is made here, that what you or I choose to be close to is what will shape who we are. So we need to choose things that are good for us to be close to so that we are shaped in a good way. I just want to share a couple of fun stories. When I was growing up, I liked music. Everyone likes music. Not everyone, actually. I met someone who literally cannot stand it. But anyway, most people enjoy music of some description, even if it's jazz. And my parents... <laughs> sorry. Jazz, jazz is okay. Um, but when I was growing up, uh, my parents said to me, you can't listen to this type of music. Because I was young... Um, I was 13, 14, and my parents wanted to make sure I had good influences in my life, and they said to me, there's certain music you just can't listen to. And so what did I do? I listened to it. So I went out, and I limewired these songs, which is back in the day just pirating or stealing the songs because I couldn't go and buy it. I didn't have a job at the time. I didn't have income. couldn't go and get the CD. So I'd go online, and I'd limewire these songs down, and it was just mostly rap and heavy metal music. And um, I just wasn't allowed to listen to them, but I went and did it anyway. But what I noticed on reflection, and this, you know, you look back in your life and there's a few wise moments you can sort of say, wow, that was beyond what I should have known. As I was listening to this music, something happened where I sort of realized that how I behaved started to change. I started to act a little bit more tense. I was acting a little bit angrier. And I had this sense that there were people out to get me, not in a sense of like, 
take me away or do anything like that. It was more like people wanted to hold me down or hold me back. And I started to feel like um, I had this, this cause I was fighting for. I didn't, but I, it's what I felt. And what I realized is that as I was listening to this music, because I had close proximity to it, I just started to realize I was taking on the themes and the struggles of those particular artists. Now, I'm not saying heavy music or metal rap is wrong. I like both of those genres still. Um, but at the time, I realized that it was influencing me in an unhealthy way. Now, did I stop listening to it? No. I'm young and stupid. But I at least realized and was taking note in myself that that was something that I needed to address. Second story is just, is just this. Um, and it goes along the same things because it's to do with media. Um, TV shows. I like TV shows where there's like high-powered, big-picture thinking. So has anyone watched Suits? Anyway, about lawyers, yeah, a couple of you, yeah. It's a great show, isn't it? I got bored after about season three because I'm just like, there's no consequences for your actions. Anyway, because um, they always get out of everything. There's always an answer for everything. There's, no one suffers real-life consequences. No, that's silly. They come out the other side looking good, feeling great. Um, but those sort of shows I really enjoy. The one I'm watching at the moment that I really find a lot of fun is Utopia. Has anyone watched that, the Australian show? It's on Netflix. It's great. It's about the nation building authority. It's a fictitious department where they have to plan long-term projects for Australia. And, of course, they never plan a single thing. Um, they never succeed at doing anything. Anyway, it's very funny. Great show. What I realized when I watched these sort of shows um, is that as I, as I watch them, if I'm not careful, I start to sort of take on some of the characteristics of the themes that are happening within the show. So one of the things which happens in, you know, Suits or Utopia or all these big big things, uh, what I realise is that the characters, they're always portray portrayed as being in control, they're in charge, nothing gets them down, there's a solution to everything, and, and if I'm not careful, there's a bit of my ego that goes, hmm, I identify with this, in control, in charge, I can get out of everything, anything, and then life happens, and of course that's definitely not the case, but the point is this, and it doesn't matter whether it's music, TV, whether it's a job, or particular relationships with friends or family, at the end of the day, who you spend your nearness with will influence you in some way, some shape, some form. Because we're just very impressionable people. And the same goes with our faith journey. So before we uh, read from Luke 2, 41 to 52, and it's a great story. We don't have many stories of Jesus as a child, so this is a really good one to have a bit of insight into who he was when he was younger. And this story of Jesus who's in the temple, who's where he shouldn't be from his parents' perspective, but he's exactly where he should be in terms of being in the house of his father. He's there because he recognizes something that is very important, and we see it in other parts of Jesus' story. It's that he needs to be close to God. So what we see in young Jesus and what it actually shows us is that at every stage of Jesus' life, he prioritized and he actually made sure to put it as a focus to be spending time with God so that he had close proximity with him. In Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which records Jesus' life, we have a few times where it tells us Jesus went alone to pray by himself or Jesus got up early to find a place to be by himself. Or the crowd would come and they would say, stay with us, stay with us. And Jesus said, I had to go somewhere else. But before he went somewhere else, he would go away and he would pray. He would spend time one-on-one -on -one with God. And so what we see from Jesus' life is that he has a pattern of retreating to be with God. He has a pattern of getting into a space where he can just spend time to connect with him. 
And I love the result of uh, Jesus's um, proximity to God. You see it in Luke 2.52. If you're a parent, this is something we, we pray for our kids. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Because Jesus prioritized his relationship to God, he grew in wisdom, stature, and he grew in favor with men and with God. And isn't that what we want for people? To grow in wisdom and favor with God and with man. And that's what we see. We see that God, that Jesus spent time alone with God for prayer and for community. So, here's where we're going to go into some application. If your life has been changed by Jesus, if you were someone who you've met Jesus and you go, hmm, I'm following him now, you've become a disciple or a follower of Jesus or a Christian, and we recognize that there is a pattern in Jesus' life, it's worth looking into to see if it's something that we should be taking a hold of. And I believe that this is a pattern that we should be taking a hold of. We should be having ways that we connect to God. Now, for some of you this morning, what we're going to look at is going to be sort of, I do that. And that's awesome. For some of you, connecting to God is something through discipline or through just um, maybe you've been blessed with a personality that you're just able to do it. Awesome. But for some of us, connecting to God is a little bit harder to do. For some, of us, for some of us, we probably haven't even looked at ways to connect with God outside of what's been traditionally taught in church, which is get your quiet time, 30 minutes, study the Bible, and then you're fine. And maybe for some of you, you've been growing up being told, get alone, study the Bible, write down some questions, reflect and go. And maybe you've been thinking, it doesn't quite fit with me and the way that I've been wired and the way that I've been designed. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how do we practice nearness with God? And more importantly, how do we do that in a way that lines with the way that God made you? Because when Jesus put each one of you together, when he designed you, when he built you and you came into this world, you were made with some gifting, perspective, and with a different way of looking in the world to other people. And we need to be able to connect with him from all of our different backgrounds and different stories. So, how do we connect to God? Well, has anyone here read Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas before? No? All right, so this will probably be new material for everyone. Um, I found this extremely liberating. I ran into this book, I think it's from the 80s or 90s, I'm not sure, because I keep reprinting it with updated covers, so you think it's new, and then you go and look inside, you're like, wait a minute. Anyway, it's one of those books. Um, I found this when I was in Bible college, because growing up, I just a little bit about my story. Growing up, I loved to follow God. Once I turned 16, turned my, gave my life over to Jesus. And when I was following him, the one thing I loved doing was I loved the intellectual exercise of pursuing God. Because I love to have debates. I like to just fight with people and, and see how people think. I like to look at worldviews and deconstruct them. And I just found that incredibly fun to do. And I looked around at everybody and I started to think to myself, this is how everybody connects to God. Everyone must love to connect with God intellectually. And then when me and Manuel were dating, and when we got married, I started to realize that other people don't connect to God the way that I do. And I'd start to have debates with some friends, and eventually you get close enough with someone that you can look at them and say, just shut up. And I had some friends in my life that I'd want to debate, 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 and they loved and blessed me enough to look at me and say, Josh, just shut up. I love that you're passionate about God. I love that you're learning the Greek word for this, that, and the other. It's awesome, but I just don't care. 
And I'd look at them like, everyone loves, doesn't everyone love God intellectually? Isn't that what we do? And I started to realize that that's not what we do. And, and I got given the book Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And I started, no relation to me, just in case you're wondering. Um, and I started to realize people connect to him, to God differently. They actually connect to God in other ways than just intellectually. And as I went through this book, it actually started to open up my mind to the fact and my world to look around and go, ah, that's why this person loves God in that way. That's why this person loves God this way. That's why when I get excited that this new Bible verse gets unpacked a certain way, that person yawns. But then when someone is hurting and they come alongside them, they come alive and I go, oh, okay, if I have to, whereas they're much more like, woohoo. And I started to look around and realize, man, we are gifted differently. And we connect to God differently. Because I grew up in the whole thing of get alone, read your Bible, learn something, go. That was like my discipleship formation when I, was, when I was growing up. And I started to realize this is why some people just turn off from it. This is why some people don't spend time in the Word. This is why some people don't connect with God in a daily or at least a few times a week. It's because we've been pushing something onto them which just doesn't connect with everybody. Because everyone connects with God differently. And there's actually nine ways which Gary has, and there's a few other ways as well, but we're going to have a look at this. So, I'm going to give you five steps to figure out how can we keep nearness to God. It's going to include some of these things here, so let me just skip forward. All right. So here's five steps to maintain nearness to God so that you and I can connect with Him on a daily. Eventually, we all want to be connected with God daily. In fact, there's a great passage in the Bible where Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing. And you think to yourself, how do I do that? Do I need to constantly be like talking to John? Hey, John, how are you going? And in my brain, I'm like trying to think, am I praying? How does pray without ceasing work? Am I meant to be like washing the dishes and like talking to God? How does that work? Well, to get to that point, we just need to understand it's a complete awareness that God is just with you. The way that I've understood pray without ceasing is that to get to the point, and I don't get this all the time, just occasionally to be aware enough where you're able to go, Jesus is here with me. The Holy Spirit is with me now in this moment as I'm having a conversation, as I'm listening. I'm also keeping my heart and my mind open to what the Spirit is telling me. That's how I look at praying without ceasing. But to get to that point, we need to understand that there's actually a way we need to connect with God on a regular basis basis and this is uh, five steps these are just they're not they're not made up but these are five steps I found over my pattern that helped me dive in that hopefully you can evaluate how you connect to God and give you a bit of a framework if you don't connect with God on a regular basis so these are the five steps one figure out your connection style if you grew up and sitting down and reading the Bible was just it's just like and finding a quiet place didn't connect with you well you got to figure out how you connect to God and integrate it that way established rhythms you need to look at your life and go what am I currently doing with my time the third step is to look for overlap the best thing in the world is when you have an established rhythm in your life already you have a way of connecting with God and they meet together because you don't have to change much you just need to include Jesus in it it's awesome unfortunately um, there will be changes uh, because for some of us we're too busy not enough time for God so step four is some changes and then step five which is the hardest one of all is to work on it once you figure out your connection style, once you know your established rhythms, once you've integrated or you've had to prune, then you need to keep working on it so that you can connect with God in a regular way. So let's go through the first one. Connection style. Now, don't write down that URL. I'll send that out to you. 
because otherwise you may not get it right. Um, tomorrow in the Monday email, this will come out uh, and you can have a look at that. And it's just an assessment to go through these nine things and see where you fit and see what it works, works out to be. So let's get through these nine here. So there are nine ways which Gary Thomas proposes we connect with God. And I found this to be quite helpful. So I'm going to go through each one and you may just, as upon hearing it, sort of go, yeah, I get that. Um, and that might just be sort of a leaning as to where you are in how you connect with God. So the first one is naturalists. Uh, you guys love being outdoors. Uh, you are the people who worship in the midst of God creation, God's creation and celebrate his majesty and discover spiritual truths through nature. You're the people who you've been sitting in your office all day and you're just itching because you haven't touched a plant yet. Or you just are in a building all day and you just want to go outside and just breathe. You're the people who just want to go out and go for a walk. And as you're walking along, you look around and you just go, how can no one see God's hand at work? Because look at this creation. Look at the clouds. Look at the stones. Look at the, the bird in the tree. Look at the roses. Look at this. How could a loving God not have created all of this? And when you get into nature, something just lines up within you where you just feel God's presence. That's naturalist. The second one is sensates. You love God through your senses. You're the people who worship through sensual experience, through sight, like art or music, smells and more. You guys are the ones that just want to embrace all God has with the senses that he has given you. You have traditionalists. You're the people who love to worship God through religious ritual and symbols. Uh, these, people place, uh, these people worship through traditions and sacraments of the church and believe structure, repetition, rigidity, weekly liturgy lead to a deeper understanding of God and faith. So how do you integrate that into your life? Ascetics, you're the people who love God in solitude and simplicity. You just want to find a nice quiet place to just be and just rest and just allow God to speak to you. The activists, you guys are always on the news because you're doing something. Um, you love God through confrontation. You want to fight for godly principles and values. You worship through dedication to and participation in God's truth about social and evangelistic causes. You're the people that see some injustice in the world and something in you just rises up and you just go, I connect with God through my activism. I need to get out there and I just need to go and put the world right. It's great. Caregivers, you guys are very pastoral and loving. You love God by serving others. You worship God by giving of yourself. Um, you, might the, uh, you may nurse the sick and disabled. You may adopt a prisoner, donate time at a shelter. You're the sort of caregiver. You're the person that comes alongside people that wants to give of yourself. And it, when you're doing that, you just feel that, hey, this is what I was made to do. You have the enthusiasts. You love God through mystery and celebration. Now, these people worship with an outward display of passion and enthusiasm. They love God and they love God with gusto. And the enthusiasts are the people you look at and you go, wow, that person is on fire. And if you're an enthusiast and you're not careful because maybe you're dealing with an ascetic or a traditionalist, you might be going, isn't God awesome? And they might be like, yes. <laughs> so you just got to, we all love God different here. Contemplatives, oh, contemplatives, you, you're great. You talk slower. You think slower, and you just want this, like, you're attentive. You want this deep intimacy. You, wanna just, you just want to just be able to contemplate and reflect and pray. The people who have really strong prayer lives normally are contemplatives. They normally will have a very strong prayer life as well. 
And then nine, my people, intellectuals. Uh, you love God with your mind, and our hearts are opened up to new attentiveness in a new attentive way when we understand something new about God. When something is revealed to us, when there is revelation, the intellectual goes, isn't God awesome? Isn't he amazing? Nature, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tradition, yeah, yeah, got to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the senses, of course, but did you see the way that Bible verse was unpacked? Or did you see the way this book, you see that this author has this perspective on um, biblio-historical context, which I'd never looked at before. Isn't that awesome? And, you just, you, and everyone looks at you and goes, <laughs> awesome. And we write books and have fun and read lots of books and do that stuff. Intellectuals. Now, note this. You would have been listening to that and you'd be thinking, I fit into a few categories. We all do. Uh, we are a mixture of these. We don't, rely, we don't relate to God in one particular one and that's the one we stay in. We're a mixture of all of them. And if you want to think of it, this is what um, Gary Thomas put in there. Um, if you want to think of it, the temperament, our temperaments change as we relate to God as life goes on. It's sort of like um, if you think of a marriage, when the couple first meet each other, they relate to each other in a certain way. Then when they get married, they relate to each other in another way. Then as time goes on, the way they relate to each other changes. So for you and for me, we may have started off in enthusiast, activist, let's go change the world, and maybe as time went off, on, we became a little bit more towards the traditional or the contemplative side. As we go through life, as we go through the ups and downs and we deal with pain and we see God provide through different ways, we start to realize um, that we, our temperament may change a little bit. And that's just, that just happens. So first thing to do in making sure we connect to God, I would recommend to you, find out how you connect to God. Get your Bible and go read it out in the bush. Maybe you just need to take one verse at a time and stop reading those books that gives you 30 verses and 10 questions. Maybe you're a contemplative and you just need to take a couple and to just chew on them throughout the day. Maybe you're someone who needs to be having a meal while you pray because you need to engage your senses. Or maybe you're someone who needs to just find silence and just needs to have um, a chance to just be away from everybody and everything and just be able to sit and just be. How do you connect with God? You've got to find that out first. The second thing is this, is we need to find our established rhythms. What is it that you do in your day-to-day -day life? Because if you know how you connect to God, it's no use unless you can integrate it into your life. It's just, just a fact. So your stage of life will, of course, impact this. If you're under 18, if you're at uni or you're doing an apprenticeship or you're looking for work, if you're single, married, if you've got kids, if you're divorced, if you're widowed, if you're retired, your stage of life will impact what you do in your day-to-day -day world. So the question you need to be asking is, what am I doing in my day-to-day -day world? You need to take stock at what takes your time, your attention, and your energy. You need to reflect and be able to go, what does my week look like? Because if I know how I connect to God, if I want to value connecting to God, then I need to be able to integrate it. What am I currently doing? What am I doing in my day-to-day -day world? And then hopefully, there's some overlap. And when there's overlap, it's so much fun because you can just... Take what you're doing, take how you connect to God, and just put them together. For me, when I'm riding, when I'm riding, when I'm driving in my car, what a great time to listen to an audiobook or to listen to the Bible or to just reflect on some Christian music. When I'm going out for a walk or I go to the gym or whatever it is I do, I, I can just have these moments I look for. I'm like, where can I um, take that back and use it as a time to connect with God? 
I recognize my current stage of life. Getting up in the morning basically means kids, um, and it's just mayhem. This morning, it's only me and Zali here today because Ezra wasn't feeling well. The bloke was crying for like 20 minutes because his muffin was cut in half. <laughs> I just, how do I find peace and tranquility and connect to God while this guy just is complaining about a muffin? Anyway, look at your life. What is it, the season of life that you're in, and is there any overlap so that you can connect to God and integrate how you connect to God. Hope maybe you already exercise. Maybe you need to change the location. Maybe you, um, maybe you spend time with family in a certain context and you can just work it into that space. Whatever it may be, just find ways to integrate it in. And then this one is the step that's the, not the hardest, but the one that probably isn't as fun. Maybe there's some change that you need to make. Because change is never, never super fun, is it? If your life is already full, if your diary, if your attention span, your energy, your bank account, if everything is just maxed out at the moment, maybe you're not in that space and you've got lots of time to spare, awesome, integrating will be a lot easier, but maybe you're up the other end and life is just full. The season of life is just busy. There's just a lot on. Then maybe something needs to change. Maybe something needs to move. Maybe you need to watch less TV. Maybe you need to stop doing a hobby. Maybe you need to change your hobby. Um, maybe there's certain relationships that just aren't helpful or healthy in the way you connect to God. Maybe they're actually getting in the way of following Him. Maybe there's an imbalance in your work life. Maybe you're at work too much. Maybe you're at work too little. Maybe the family and the work, is just, there's this tension there. Maybe shopping, you're spending too much time shopping and not enough time connecting. Maybe it's social media. Maybe at night time you could spend a minute just going, God, how was today? But instead you're on Instagram or Facebook or Reddit or YouTube or Netflix or something else. If our life is too full, the chances of integrating a connection with God on a regular basis is just very limited. Because if our life is too full for there to be room for God, God can't come in to our life if there's too much stuff. I knew there would be silence at this part because this is the, the sucky part. Maybe there's something in our life that needs to shift and needs to change so that you can have more time to spend with Him. All right. And then the last one, work on it. Just try stuff. There's no secret formula. In fact, back in the day, one of the things I look back in um, past messages I've preached, I look at past pastors when they try to say, you want to connect with God, do this, do this, do this. And it's very prescriptive. And the, the downfall to that, the helpful thing for that was it created discipline in people's lives, um, which was helpful for some. The downfall to that is that it became the view of many people that that's the way it has to be done. And you know what happens when you say it has to be done this way? You, the chances are that there is another way to do it and people are too afraid to try. So if you connect with God in another way, figure out how to integrate that in. Figure out how to, how to do that and work on it. Just try something. If you connect with God by getting up at 6 a.m. every morning and praying for half an hour, then reading scripture for half an hour, do that because that's how you connect with God. Maybe you just need to learn to get into nature more. Maybe you need to be quiet more. Maybe you need to just be more contemplative. Maybe you need to try. Just try things. If it works, whoo, hey. If it doesn't work, don't go, oh, man, and then go back to not trying. Work on it. 
try something else. Okay, it didn't work when I tried to integrate the more Bible reading into my life, but that's because I was trying to read the Bible at the end of a work day and I was really tired. I'm going to try reading it before work tomorrow. Or, at the moment, whenever I try to read my Bible, there's always a distraction. But I have a half an hour commute every day that I'm just listening to podcasts. Maybe I could just flick on the Bible app and just listen to some, some scripture on the way to work. Like, try different things. See how you can integrate following God and how you connect with Him in different ways. And just keep working on it. So there we are. Five steps to hopefully help you in managing the tension of staying close, staying near to God. Look for your connection style. So last week we had a look at what's your gift. And if you got the Monday email I sent you through a, um, a survey you can go do that can show you what your spiritual gift is. Um, so know what your gift is. Know how God has made you. But today what we want to focus on in this 21st century 2021 world is you've got to know how to connect with God. Because if we don't connect to Him, then what do we have in our life to show if we just do, 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 and we serve a church and we do things that work, but we're not actually spending time with God, if we're not spending time in His presence, then what's going to happen is we're just going to get burnt out because we're going to start giving from something which we don't have. How can you say that you love God if you don't spend time with Him? It's just sort of a hard, a hard thing. Now, of course, you don't want to go too far the other side and become a, a hermit because part of the dynamic is to love God and love others. The only way you can show your love for God is the way, by you, the way you love others. But the only way to stay loving people is to stay connected to Him. Because people are jerks sometimes. Like People just are. Like People hurt us. And if we're not constantly connected to God who's telling us and, and, and helping us to form a loving view of other people, we're just going to get jaded and burnt. Because we're going to put ourselves out there and someone's going to hurt us. So we need to stay connected to him because he will replenish us. He will give us what we need to be able to take another step. As we become more reliant on him, our love for others actually grows. It doesn't diminish. So know your connection style. Observe your rhythms. Look for overlap. See what needs to change and work on it. And we're going to finish off here with a couple of points. So here's where we land. Proximity leads to Intimacy. What you are close to will influence you, for good and for bad. Your friends, entertainment, your desires, your family, your education, your work, and even Jesus and God, whoever it is you're close to, it will just impact who you are. What you are close to shapes who you are. So if you want to be shaped by God, you need to be close to God. You've got to find out how you connect to God. Are you a naturalist, a sensate, a traditionalist, an ascetic, an activist, a caregiver, an enthusiast, a, contem a contemplative, an intellectual? How do you connect with God? Maybe you know, and you've been, you've, been, uh, you know, you've been getting the reward from that. Maybe you don't know, and that's why it's so frustrating, because everyone else around you seems to love God in a certain way, and it doesn't quite work for you and where you're at. Why not how you connect to Him? Integrate that in. And then look for ways to integrate or make space. Where is there overlap between how you connect to God and what you're already doing? Woo oh, where do you need to change? Which is also woohoo, but takes a lot of work to get to that point because at the end of the day from my heart to yours I don't want people to become apathetic I don't want you to become apathetic to God to do the journey of life well we need a deep relationship with the one who designed us we need to be spending time with him to follow Jesus well in this cultural moment to stay connected 
with him is very important. Because at the end of the day, the world wants our attention. The world wants our finances. The world wants our energy and wants our time. But before the world has a chance to speak, if you and I make a decision to stay connected with God through a pathway that makes sense to how we're built, then we have the opportunity to say, "Uh uh-uh, my time, my energy, and my attention is already spoken for. I want to maintain close proximity to God because he's the one that I follow. He's the one that I love, and he's the one that I want to be with forever. But it's got to start with knowing God. So, for us to make the wise choice with what we do, stay connected. Be connected with the one who made you, you. Because he made you, you for a reason. He loves you. You have something to offer this world. But if we're not connected with him, then we'll find ourselves to get burnt out, apathetic, and probably in a lot of pain. Father God, I just want to pray really quickly that you will help us stay connected to you. It's not easy. It means saying no to things. It means change. It means discipline. It means a lot of hard work. But it's worth it. Because of the grace you extended and the gift that you gave us, our journey of discipleship is one we take on happily and one that we take on with all that we are. But we need help in this area to stay connected with you. Because otherwise, if we get distracted, Lord, it doesn't end well. It's hard. So help us. Help us to read your word. Help us to pray. Help us to spend time with those who believe. And help us to follow you in every season of life through the highs and lows. Even when you're carrying us, help us be aware of that. Help us stay connected to you. Amen.